Welcome to Q&A with Father Jay. This is your co-host, the man on fire, John Sablon. And as always, I am joined by my dear priest friend, Father Jay Mello of Fall River, Massachusetts. Hey, Father. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. A blessed Merry Christmas to you as we still are in the Christmas season as we're recording this. And also a Happy New Year. How's everything going so far in 2020 for you? Things are fantastic. Things are fantastic. Start off with a little uh, short getaway uh, for a few days with some friends to begin the new year. And then right back to it. School started up again and things are great. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I saw some of those pictures of Grand Canyon, right? You were out by the Grand Canyon? It was phenomenal. There's no words to express how absolutely breathtaking that is. Um, my first time there, and yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Speaks to the power of our God, our awesome God. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, today um, we're going to be talking about evangelizing family and friends. And before we get into that, um, just a saintly shout out. Um, the saintly shout out for today's episode is St. Andre Bissette, who we celebrated his feast day on uh, January 6th, the Monday after um, the Epiphany. And um, I think one of the things that stood out to me, Father, is when, um, you know, he was an unlearned man. Um, he was a sickly individual. And um, when his pastor, um, his childhood pastor, had kind of encouraged him to consider vocation to religious life, when he sent him to um, the congregation of the Holy Cross, he said, I am sending you a saint. And um, I think that's just powerful and it speaks to God's uh, transformative power. Um, when all of us may think we don't have much to offer, um, St. Andre Bissette, um, and you can read up on him, I'll put that in the show notes, but um, had a great devotion to St. Joseph, the, the, the patron of, uh, of the church, especially for um, uh, times like these today. He had a great devotion and was known for his healing power. So saintly a shout out to St. Andre Bissette. Please pray for us. Um, especially as we try to help our fellow listeners out there, um, you know, really try to do a better job of evangelizing family and friends. So, Father, part of the reason why we wanted to uh, address this topic is because of really the holiday season, um, because mm -hmm. a lot of people during this time are, um, you know, faced with um, encounters with um, family and friends through um, just the, the gathering around the uh, holiday table, whatever those walks of life. But obviously from a, from a Christian perspective, when we celebrate Christmas and the different Christmas parties and the different family gatherings, it could be somewhat of a point of contention if not everybody's living out the faith or if you happen to have some broken relationships and um, not everybody sees that as an opportunity to evangelize. And some do. And some, I think people reach out to, to ask, hey, what do you suggest when it comes to, um, you know, bringing the faith to these types of events um, where we may be surrounded by um, family and friends who we may not see all the time. Um, I think. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a huge topic, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I joke with my parishioners on the feast of the Holy family that we always celebrate that feast right after Christmas. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that first weekend after Christmas, I say it's for very good reason mm -hmm. because we just spend a lot of time with our families and we need the, the saintly example of the Holy family um, to intercede for us, be our inspiration. Um, but I also joke with them, too, that, you know, just because um, I'm a priest doesn't mean that I have a, um, you know, a perfect family or, you know, or have a family that is all practicing the faith. Uh, quite the contrary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very disheartening when, you know, I'll leave the vigil masses on Christmas Eve and then 
stop by my family's a little bit before visiting other parishioners' homes and knowing that there are some of them who are baptized Catholics who are not going to even go to Mass on Christmas. And you think, like, why are we even here? Why, why are we, we just here to, you know, eat too much and eat unhealthy and exchange gifts and, and be with each other? And, and it can be very disheartening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing, you know, we, we most certainly need to do is, is to pray. Mm-hmm. To pray that their hearts be open, their minds be open, um, but also to, I mean, I think the heart of all evangelization is personal holiness, right? And, mm-hmm. and personal witness. Mm-hmm. Um, remember that in evangelizing, we're trying to to win souls for Christ. We're trying to bring people to heaven with us. Um, and so often, because our pride is involved, and because the devil knows what we're trying to do, and sometimes it can be about winning an argument. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, not only do we not evangelize, we can do more harm than good if, if we're not um, properly disposed to to doing this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our own prayer for our family members, interceding for them daily, you know, is so important. Um, but then also just leading by a good example. I think when people see us as joyful witnesses of the gospel, people begin to say, I want what they want, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, because I think so many people are living in such a worldly way. They're, you know, thinking their happiness is in all the things that the world tells us will make us happy, will fulfill us, and they're left so empty. Mm-hmm. And when they see people who are joyful, who are not embracing those things of the world, we've we got to hope and pray that at some point it kind of clicks to say, that person has something that I want, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all about a, a prayerful um, attitude and disposition and, and interceding for our family and, and for our friends. Um, but, I, but I think also that, that personal witness um, is so necessary before anything else, before we even get into the um, the actual conversations. Yeah, about, before about before our, the right? before you even show up to the party or the gathering, right, Father? I think that's exactly. that's a key thing. Exactly, right? So I wanted to mm-hmm. so to kind of to to bring this all together. Um, I, I wanted to kind of go through a little kind of our our suggestions as far as tips. Um, you actually mentioned two of them so far. So there's I, I came up we, we we came up with about eight of them to kind of kind of talk through just for the sake of the the episode not being you know eight hours long um but you brought up the first and the 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 really the most important and that was prayer um and and are we praying for these family members for these friends for these co-workers right maybe it's a holiday party with your with your the company you work for um which can also be somewhat of a, a point of contention if you're if they're living like most people are a worldly life so prayer is the the most important one um, and that begins way before um, the festivities begin. Um, that's that's and pretty, continual. Yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that that includes you know for those um, that are um, kind of uh, th- those that are listening out there. I think that maybe this may be new to them, but even the the act of fasting for others. I mean, there is so mm-hmm. much power in fasting for those loved ones, um, those 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 friends that are have either fallen away. Um, as you described with your own experience, I have the same experience in my own um, uh, family life. Um, it, it's to fast for those folks, fast that their hearts be open and that the the, the Lord shine into their hearts the light of, of faith and openness, right? To to be open yeah. to what this season could actually do for them. And I think the other thing with, with prayer that's so important is to not give up, right? Because it's very easy to be discouraged in our prayer. Mm-hmm. It's very easy 
to sometimes things almost hopeless, like, you know, this person's beyond prayer. I've been praying for this person for a year, for two years, for five years, and say, you know, where's this all going? Um, you know, and I think you and I have talked about it in the past when we talked to, about um, conversion and confession and, and my experience with my dad dying. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I talked about at his um, funeral was a homily given at Steubenville, my first semester in college back in 1999. Um, where Father Scanlon, we were getting ready for the Jubilee year, right? Mm-hmm. This great year of mercy. Um, and Father Scanlon talked about praying and fasting for the conversion of our family and friends away from the faith. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I need to, to pray and fast for, for my dad's conversion. And when I was preparing for his funeral mass, I was thinking to myself, I, I've done this every day, almost 20 years, the day he died in, uh, late September, and it would have been, you know, 20 years that I started college. And I think myself, there were many times where I wanted to, to give up, to stop praying. It seemed pointless, seemed hopeless to mm. pray for someone's conversion. But you remember, it's all in God's time, not in ours. Mm-hmm. It's an important part of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, that, now it's such a beautiful story um, to, to kind of speak to the power of prayer, and it, it is in God's timing. Um, so prayer, obviously, is that first step, that first tip, if you will, that um, is 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 really the only way to um, to begin and end and continue to um, work on the hearts of of, of God's children. Really, um, the second point I wanted to bring up, Father, second tip would be um, some uh, just a, a suggestion is to ask more and talk less. And this is a problem I have because I can talk um, um, a lot, and um, mm-hmm. and when you're dealing with with um, family and friends, especially when they know the life that you live, right? If there's no secret that you are a devout Catholic and you're somebody that um, lives out the faith, then automatically your presence is going to convict them of the life they're not living. And mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that I've had to learn the hard way. But part of that, it means to ask more questions. A lot of people's journey, you know, we sit there and we can do some small talk. How have things been? And um, and I tend to, to like to use those as opportunities to just ask questions and bring things to God in faith. So let's just say one of your family members is going through a difficult time, whether that's health or maybe employment. And um, you know them to be, you know, m- maybe a fallen away Catholic or, you know, maybe lu- lukewarm at best. And it's just, like, you know, where's God in all of this for you? You know, how's the mm-hmm. fa- faith been? And so it's more asking questions, you know, kind of the Socratic dialogue. Um, but what are your thoughts on that, Father, about just asking more, talking less when you're when you're dealing with trying to evangelize your family and friends, especially during these yeah, holiday I, I seasons? Yeah, I think certainly, I mean, every family is different, and every relationship within a family is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it, knowing your audience is a huge part of this. Um, you know, the faith always needs to be an invitation, you know, never an imposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we have to be very crafty in how we, we word things, but also see every opportunity as a way to bring God into a situation without forcing God down someone's throat, right? You know, so if someone is, you know, terminally ill, you know, we don't want to go too aggressively out and say, you know, you need Jesus. Yeah. You know, and it may be true. They may need Jesus, <laughs> but that type of approach um, may not be very effective. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, always thinking through, you know, what is the desired outcome here? And in a way of, you know, when you say listening more, I think part of that is putting yourself in their shoes to say, how would I hear this if I were, if I were sick or going through a divorce or having troubles at work and I'm already anxious, I'm already depressed. 
and someone started sort of aggressively pushing something in me, how would I take that? Mm-hmm. And I think when we do that, it can be very helpful in helping us to really hone our message and, and to clarify not only what we say, but how we say it, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so good, good, obviously some tips there to, to know your, your family members. Um, but I think if you started with uh, a little bit less of talking, more of listening and more of asking questions that can help lead somebody to that truth, lead somebody to that, that, that need or that desire for God in their life, um, I think would be a good thing. Um, tip number three, uh, another area, it's kind of funny. I'm just really preaching to myself, father, um, is to, <laughs> is to balance passion with patience. Um, when you, when you find yourself, um, to be a, a, a passionate, emotional person like myself, um, who is in love with God in love with Holy Mother Church and love with our faith and love with Jesus. And, um, I, I can, my passion and, and can come off as super intense, um, and almost to a point where I, you know, it's like, I want to convert those people now. Right. And, um, I want you to be where I am. And, um, rather than understanding that, Hey, the Lord was patient with me. Right. Um, exactly. my family and my own home, uh, specifically my wife and my kids were patient with me, um, and forgiving and compassionate with me. And it's difficult, right. When you, when you, uh, you know, all of a sudden have your own metanoia, your own conversion, and then now you want everybody to be there, um, to balance that encounter with those family and friends with a sense of passion. I'll get to this in one of the other points too, about, um, just being sure and confident, but really that passion that you have for your faith in a way that I think you addressed at the beginning father with being joyful about it, but at the same time also being patient, right? Recognizing Mm -hmm. that everybody's on their own journey and to not overwhelm them with that intensity that you may have. Um, but rather understand that there's a, there's a certain level of passion, um, with your patience that needs to occur. Um, what do you think, Father? I, I agree 100%. I, I think we always need to be aware that our passion and our conviction can be a two-edged sword, right? It can get people really fired up, right? People can be like, wow, I just, you know, look at this guy. You know, you look at this girl. You know, they just they, they love their faith. They just love how alive they are. Look how happy they are. And other people can say, wow, they're, they're intense. <laughs> and it can, they, they can, you push back a little bit from that. So again, it goes back to knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't think that we have to hide who we are, mm-hmm. right? If we look at some of the great saints who have evangelized, they they were all aware of who they were speaking to, the times they were speaking to, but also the gifts that God gave them, mm-hmm. you know? And um, up here in the Northeast, we tend to be a little more blunt, sarcastic in mm-hmm. your face about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that may work a bit more here than it would, you know, in the Midwest or in the South, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the way I preach, the way I interact here in, you know, in my own area, I always need to remember that when I, when I leave the Northeast, that not everyone's like us. Mm-hmm. No, great. Thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great point, right? Because I think that's the part where we have to, there, there needs to be a certain level of adapting to, um, mm-hmm. to the culture and to those around you where, you know, some, sometimes there's a, there, some people need um, pom poms and cheers. Other people need a swift kick in the tail and we have to be, yeah. you know, like a coach, right? So you, we have to be re- reminded of that. So that's a great, great point, father. So tip number four, I say, uh, you know, be short, sweet, and sure. And, um, and, and it's funny in our, in our show notes, I was talking about cups, not canals, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can just over, again, going back to overwhelming somebody with a bunch of information, right? 
you know, they ask a question about, you know, uh, you know, being Catholic in Christianity. And, you know, then we start slinging at them catechism paragraphs and scripture passages and, you know, uh, works of the early church fathers. Um, and, and they just started with, you know, why are you Catholic? And we just overwhelmed them. And I think it, it's, it should be uh, better approached by tempering that temptation to just give them everything and just to be short and sweet. Mm-hmm. And sure, though, right, like this is like I am convinced people should know at the end of that conversation that, wow, you know, Father Jay is pretty convinced about Catholicism. Um, you didn't beat him over the head with it, um, but mm-hmm. but they can tell in your your short but sweet answer that um, you were sure in that faith. Yeah, you know, I, I think with that, you know, St. Paul speaks of it so beautifully, right? Milk before solid food. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So it's sort of the pedagogy of God. You know, we start with the basic stuff, and we start with, there is a God, a God who is a personal God, who loves us, who wants a relationship with us, who sent his son to die for us, who is, is here with us in all of our trials and all of our successes. Um, that, you know, we hear someone say, Catholic Church, we want them to think Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so often in the world today, people hear the word Catholic Church and they hear scandal, they, they hear abuse. They hear all of these awful things, prohibition against, you know, abortion, against gay marriage, against contraception, cohabitating, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to start with the foundation, and the foundation is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And unless people know Jesus Christ, the rest of the stuff doesn't make sense. Right. Like, you know, why would you be living the, the church's teachings or commandments if you don't know our Lord? It only makes sense if he's at the heart of it. And so, yeah, I think sometimes people ask questions. We want to give them everything, mm-hmm. but we need to lay a firm foundation before anything else. Absolutely. No, great, great, uh, great feedback there. Um, so we've got pray. We've got, you know, really listen, ask more, talk less. Uh, tip three was balance passion with patience. Uh, four we just talked about was be short, sweet, and sure. Tip five, Father, is don't swing for the fence. Know that this is a process and trust that you'll have another opportunity. Right. I think a lot of times if we think we're going to see everybody on Christmas Eve with the family that we've got to convert them now. Right. We've got to we've got to get them to, you know, uh, accept the, you know, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and to, you know, start RCIA or, you know, you know, sign up now. Um, And and we're really trying to, um, you know, pin them um, down and get them to convert. And really, that's that's not the point. That's not the way God works. Um, and that's not going to work with us on the human level. So, um, it, you know, would be we need to be careful as evangelists to not swing for the fence. To just it's try. funny. I was looking at your your notes quick here, and it said, and I thought it said, "Don't swing for the face." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, no kidding. That's the wrong way to evangelize." <laughs> yeah. Well, unless it was the old school way of uh, of confirmation, right? Getting slapped by the bishop. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, and it's temptation, right? Like, you know, anytime I give a homily, you want to swing for the fence, right? We always want that, that home run, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, base hits, you know, if we look at football, we're advancing the ball, you know, mm-hmm. making progress, you know, and I think also looking, I mean, it's, sometimes we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think a good examination of conscience in our own life is so important to look at those opportunities and say, you know, this family dinner at Christmas Eve, did I bring my family closer to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or did I move them further away? Mm-hmm. You know what worked, what didn't. You know, and, and that is a, it's 
such an important part of of this that there are very, very few cases in history where it was this one-time deal. You know, and most times it is God slowly working on someone through other people mm-hmm. that, that brings them around. You know, very few of us have this, you know, St. Paul-type conversion. Right. Well, and I think you spoke to it, Father, about knowing your audience and, and really knowing your family, right? I mean, keep in mind, I know this is very true in my own experiences, this family knows the you that maybe isn't the you of today, right? Mm-hmm. So they know you in your sinfulness. They know you in your failures. They know you in your mistakes. They know you when you you don't have your best moments, your best Catholic moments. Um, and, and and so we're, we're really exposed and vulnerable. And I think um, we have to be mindful of that. We have to be cognizant of that. And we have to realize that our approach in this way of, um, and this will kind of take us to uh, uh, one of the other points, um, is just about, is, is that level of humility that we need to have um, mm-hmm. that, that I think we need to be very mindful of. So, yeah, for our listeners. Yeah, I think sometimes with that, there's a you know, real temptation for people to maybe throw our past back at us, yeah. our mistakes, our sinfulness. Yeah. And, and I think we have to accept it. Yeah. You know, just say, exactly, that, that's who I was. Mm-hmm. But because Jesus is in my life, that's not who I am anymore. Amen. Yeah. As opposed to, because it's tough. Once that conversation goes down that path, it's very easy for, our pride just jump in right. and we go into autopilot and we kind of you know, defend ourselves and we want to justify our past behavior. And I think humility is such an important part of this. Um, but also that honesty of that's exactly who I was. You're right. And, and I didn't like who I was and that's why I changed. Yeah, it, it actually should bring some level of street cred, right? <laughs> when it comes to the, Absolutely. the point of evangelization. Yeah, yeah, I was wrong when I was there, you know, own it. Um, and, and mm-hmm. be accountable, but then also point them to to the right, you know, point them to the experience yep. of God in your life. Um, so, yeah, don't swing for the fences, y'all. Um, we definitely need you to, to, to understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, tip number six is to have zero expectations. Um, you know, a lot of people come in here with with some hefty goals that, you know what, we're, we're, we're having Thanksgiving dinner. And at the by the end of the, this evening, you know, everyone's going to going to get my point. They're going to, they're going to accept God in their life and, and start practicing the faith. We're all going to go to mass on Sunday together. Right. And I think, um, when we approach it that way, um, we're, we're, we're almost bound to be disappointed. So going in there with zero expectations, recognizing that this is a soul, not a project with the deadline, right. With, with budgets and, and resources associated with, it's a soul. It's a soul that, you know what, if anybody wants that soul to return to God, it's God himself. And we're, we're conduits. And so we don't, um, we, I, I would say, Father, I don't know what you think, um, but to not have any expectations. Um, and then, therefore, we can battle that temptation you just spoke about of getting defensive and taking it personal. Yeah, I, I think our only, well, I think we should have two goals um, that should be kind of general and open-ended. You know, our, our first goal should be in our encounter with them that they are closer to God than they were before we had dinner with them. Right, mm-hmm. that they're not further away from him, you know. So we, um, but in terms of a measurable distance, you know, you're right. We can't set up those. We want people to have a a positive experience of of us and our faith with them. The ultimate goal is getting them to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not going to happen over you know an evening together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that should really be our only goal, you know, to because I think so often in our own mind, it's very easy for us to come up with this image of what someone should look like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's tough enough for us to do that with ourselves. Right? I think to myself, this is the type of Catholic I want to be. This is the type of priest I want to be. This is the type of pastor I want to be. But that's a very messy, mm-hmm. you know, goal. And, you know, um, you know, it's good to have goals, good to have expectations. You know, it certainly helps motivate us and keep us accountable. Um, but, I, but I think if those are two goals, that they're closer to God before uh, we, they met with us, and our ultimate goal is getting them to heaven, you know, so it's important to have those be right. The expectation of, you know, what are they going to look like at the end of this, this meal or this time together um, could really set us up for some frustration Absolutely. and disappointment. Absolutely. Yeah, and it makes it more about our, our own agenda than it is about leading them to God. And I love how you put it, Absolutely. just making it very binary, right? That at the end of this encounter with us, they're either better or worse. They're either closer to God or further away. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely a great point, Father. So uh, tip number seven is, um, you know, charity with clarity and sincerity. Um, and I think, you know, true charity, um, you know, you can't separate truth from love. Um, and I think it's always about bringing the truth to our fellow um, brothers and sisters, um, family and friends um, with clarity, right? Why do we believe in certain things or why do we live our life a certain way, but in a very sincere way? Like it's having discussions with some of your estranged family members to say, you know, I really do. I miss you. I really care about you and I, and I want you to be happy. Um, and, and I think this is a part of, of, of what I think you're missing in your life. Right. And I think when people understand that you're coming from a genuine, sincere place, they tend to be uh, a lot more open to what you have to say because they don't, they don't mistrust your intentions. Right. They feel like maybe you have their best interests at heart, even if you agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So just being, you know, in true charity, making sure that you're clear with regards to, to kind of where we stand. And I think that's what you, you said at the beginning of the show, father was, you know, you, you still got to be, I mean, you still got to be who you are. You still got to be a disciple, but there's a way to do that. And so just, you know, being mindful of that um, for all the folks out there to, to bring love, but bring it with clarity and make sure that you are, you, again, not in a fake way, but are sincere and genuine about your desire, right? If you are having a hard time um, loving that person at that moment, it's probably not a good time to have a discussion about faith, um, uh, you know, uh, Amen. you know, so got to, got to check yourself yeah. there. Yeah, two things on that. One um, is the, the clarity. It, it's a reminder to us that we need to constantly be studying our own faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not enough just to you know, scream out, "Hey, Alexa, why does the church teach this?" <laughs> you know, we we need to uh, you know to really read some good Catholic books, listen to some good Catholic podcasts. You know, maybe take an online course. You know, reading good articles um, to to inform ourselves. We have this obligation. To, to grow in our faith and in our knowledge of, of what the Church teaches and why. Um, so often people may know that the Church teaches something, but may not know why the Church teaches it. And so we need to, to be clear. We, we need to, to study our, ourselves on that. Um, the other part that you brought up about charity, you know, if, if you're not loving someone, um, you know, it's, it's not the best time to get into a conversation. That could not be more true. You know, especially, whether it be our own family, or even, you know, on a much broader scale or, or uh, grander scale, whether it be politicians or celebrities, it's very easy when someone does something or says something to get very critical of them. Mm-hmm. You know, to even, you know, um, say something about them on social media, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always try to say to myself before I say anything, but anyway, whether it be an elected official, celebrity, whomever, am I committing myself 
to praying to this person on, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're not, then we should probably shut our phone off or our computer off and stop criticizing them because, you know, it goes back to that, that first point of, of prayer. Um, it's whether it be a family member or a friend, a neighbor, coworker, somebody we've never met before but has some influence in the world, unless we really desire um, their well-being, their their spiritual life, their relationship with the Lord, because it's very easy. I mean, there, there are lots of people in, whether it be politics, celebrities, people in the news, who do things, say things that, you know, are contrary to our faith. You know, you just turn on the Golden Globes the other day and find plenty of people who could get me to spend hours in front of my computer trashing mm-hmm. them because mm-hmm. of how awful I, I think they are. But I think to myself, like, am I spending as much time in the chapel praying for them as I am in front of my computer or on my phone criticizing them? Right. No, great, great point. Because, um, and I think what you'll find in that, too, Father, as we're praying for him, is that it, it it really allows God to work on us and our disposition towards that person who really, if we say what we really desire for them is if we want to love them, then the ultimate love is to get them to see God along with us, to see him in heaven. And I think um, too too often we can we can miss that point in our passion, in our zeal, in our differences, and it could be drastic differences, but um, if we really do love that person, we know that, that true love is willing the good of that willing the good of the other as other and then doing something about it. And I think um, praying for them allows us to soften our heart uh, in a way that will lead them into a, at least a, a deeper um, search for God. So last but not least, Father, is what you brought up already was witnessing and just living it out. You know, um, it, we, we deal with so much hypocrisy in our world today, no matter in what area of life, whether that be in politics and everyday life in the church, there's all kinds of stuff, right? Hypocrites all over the place. And we can tend to be hypocritical. Um, but you know, there's this, if your life is incongruent with the words you speak, you know, we deal with this a lot in the church, you know, where we see people who say they're Catholic, but they don't really live a life that speaks to that. Um, the best thing you can do outside of prayer and all of the tips that we're giving you is just live it. You know, does your life speak to it? And not just on social media. I mean, it should, obviously. But does your life in the smallest ways, if somebody, you know, my wife would always tell me this. I want when people peek into our window at at night that they see a house that lives for God. Right. Um, That when you're not even watching me um, or I don't know you're watching me, that you can see that God is alive in my house, in my heart, in my home, in my workplace, in the grocery store, in the library, wherever, on the road when the guy cuts me off, right? That when people can see an authentic witness to God's very presence, um, that is the best example. That's the best conversation you can ever have is by providing the example within yourself. What say you, Father? I say that our own holiness is the best catechism, the best argument, the best conversation we could ever have. Amen. You know, it's often attributed to St. Francis, um, although we don't, we don't find anywhere in his writings, right. you know, but um, that, that great line, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words, right? right? And it, it's a great line, absolutely, who, regardless of who said it or who wrote it, but, you know, it, it, it's tough, because anything that I say from the pulpit, anything, conversation I have as a priest with someone, is totally discredited by my, my actions, mm-hmm. right? If, if they're not 
in a court. It's tough. That's a very high standard because <laughs> I'm a sinner. No, I'm far from perfect. Um, but we have to have the humility to, to recognize that um, that we're striving, you know, for conformity of, of our lives to the gospel. Um, but no, absolutely, hundred percent. It, it we we need to totally be convinced that we are called to be saints ourselves, mm-hmm. and and do everything we can from every fiber of our being to, to really to, to love our Lord, to love His Church, to love the members of the Church, especially those who are away from Him. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. No doubt. So it goes oh. right back to step one of praying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, and thank, thanks be to God for confession and the sacraments and, and um, God's patience, right? Because it's all, it's all aimed towards our salvation. And so, um, yeah, definitely, Father, we need to there is no greater catechism, no greater Bible than the the life of a of a holy one of God that that will live and speak to God's very presence Amen. being being real. So, Father, um, can you go ahead and give us your priestly blessing before I just kind of wrap uh, up with our final notes of the show? Sure, through the intercession of our blessed Mother Saint Joseph and Saint Michael the Archangel, and Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, thank you so much for you know. Um, your time today with us and for your wisdom and for the listeners out there we thank you for joining us and we will be posting these eight tips in the episode notes of how to evangelize your family and friends and so uh from father jay and myself we thank you for joining us for another episode of q a with father jay we just ask that you like subscribe and hey share the word we're here to serve you um, and ultimately lead you to a closer relationship with our god into a deeper catholic faith god bless